Hey, welcome back to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I got a very special guest here, my friend Marcy over here. So I'm gonna, I have this memo, uh, this bio memorized right here. I'm not gonna look down on my paper. So uh, she's a Huntsville native, Grissom alum like myself. So she had a passion for helping the less fortunate. It's something she's done throughout her whole life. Uh, she's a senior managing consultant with PF PFM Financial Advisors. She has a BA in psychology, but she uses that a lot at bootcamp. Uh, she's got a minor in business administration from Converse College in Spartanburg, South Carolina. She's formed and served on several boards in efforts to help others with that. She likes exercise, especially mountain climbers, um, <laughs> what I hear. Uh, she loves the outdoors. She loves traveling. She's married to her uh, amazing husband, the chocolate teddy bear, Donald. So he's an awesome dude. If you ever met him, you got to meet him. I now also share a 17-year-old son, Ethan. Uh, Marcy, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. So uh, I mentioned you served on several boards. The so one you're serving on now is NOMA, no, not one more Alabama. So you tell me a little bit more about what you do for there. Yeah, um, Not One More is a, a volunteer-based organization that started four or five years ago, um, just basically around supporting the community uh, of people that have loved ones struggling with substance use disorder, um, providing resources, education, uh, Narcan distribution, and I got involved um, last year as a board member um, serving in the role of CFO treasurer so that I'm helping um, keep the financials in order and um, get some new systems in place with my experience on other boards. Um, and, it, and it's been really rewarding so far. Well, that's cool. So we're going to talk about, we'll talk about like, kind of what you guys have going on right now, a special event coming up. We'll get into that later, but I want to talk a little bit about your sister, Sam. So that's kind of how you got involved in the board in the first place. So tell me a little bit about Sam. Uh, Sam is my baby sister. Um, there are three girls. I'm the oldest and Samantha was 11 years younger than me, nine years younger than my other sister. And um, so she was our real life baby doll, you know, 11 and nine year old girls get a little sister. They um, treat her like a baby doll. So she had a whole lot of mamas and was very spoiled and just a, a fun baby to be around. Um, unfortunately, she always kind of struggled with her mental health and none of us really knew what to do about that at the time. It was the late eighties, early nineties and, and we didn't properly recognize it, I guess. And, uh, and it was something that she always struggled with. Um, and then in her later life, um, after she went to college, became a nurse, she started struggling, um, with addiction. I, you know, we think related to kind of self-medicating her mental health issues, and uh, we did everything we could to help her, helped her go through rehab several times. For a while, when I was a single mom, she uh, lived with me and helped me out uh, while she was going through recovery. And so we helped each other out, really. She helped sure, me yeah. with Ethan in the house and, um, and uh, decided to go to grad school and was, was doing well with that. And uh, she had a, a, a major life tragedy. Um, lost her boyfriend who she was uh, madly in love with and she just never really recovered from it um, you know she already was it was kind of a fragile person is how I would describe her mentally uh, she she attempted to get help but just could never really bring herself out of it and it was very difficult for us to watch it's 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 hard to watch someone who feels hopeless yeah and you try to help them as much as you can but you know, we aren't medical professionals and, yeah. and, you know, sometimes you're just too close to it. So um, eventually that she, she graduated 
from UAH with her master's degree in information systems and um, wasn't sure what to do next. And so she kind of isolated herself and, and just went to a very bad place and uh, eventually got hooked on heroin and we got her back into rehab a couple of times. Uh, but it was just never successful for her. Um, she, she just couldn't bring herself to really understand um, what, what her underlying issues were and, and how she, she really needed to help. And, and she kind of expected us to do it for her a lot because I think we did a lot for her. And um, uh, unfortunately, in on June 13th of 2019, we got the call that everyone who has a loved one struggling with addiction um, fears on a daily basis uh, that she had overdosed and um, had been found dead in her home. And uh, that's been really what catapulted me to figure out what to do to turn that into a positive because it was such a, a heart-wrenching experience um, that no one should ever have to go through. Right, yeah. So when did you first started kind of seeing the symptoms that maybe something was going on that she may have had some trouble with addiction? Um, kind of what, what were the first symptoms you saw with her? Um, you know, she, she stayed up all night slept all day, uh, which was not that unusual for her, but it got to where you couldn't really get her to participate. You know, she really isolated herself and avoided family functions. And um, anyone that knows me and my mom, and my sisters were all very close and we, you know, spend a lot of time together and, and she kind of quit doing that. Mm -hmm. um, she became very defensive all the time, didn't want anyone's advice, didn't want anyone to help her. Um, and, and, started uh, stealing money. Um, uh, I mean, she wrecked her car and did not handle that properly. We started noticing that she was going into debt, stealing checks, things like that. Um, and we really weren't, you know, you, you live in denial because you don't want to believe the truth. And, uh, and actually, in 2018 on Mother's Day, my mother found her passed out. And that's when we realized that she, that she had really moved on to um, IV drug use and that we really had a problem. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine. So when you're, you're in that situation, what do you do? Like, what did you guys do? I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's different for every situation. What do you guys like you, you tried to help her? What did you do? Well, uh, we sat her down and said, this is, this is unacceptable behavior and, um, you know, set our boundaries and said, you know, we will help you get help, um, but we're not going to give you money. We're not going to um, support anything that we think is going to enable your habit. Uh, we'll figure out how to get you into treatment uh, and, and support you in every way with that. Um, uh, you know, i had a counselor that I went to more frequently at that time to, you know, help me work through it. But it's, you know, it's one of those things that really takes over your life. Addiction is a family disease. And when someone that is, you're that close with um, is struggling with it, you struggle with it just as much because you constantly worry, your suspicions are on high alert. You never know when you're gonna get that phone call. And um, and and so we we banded together and tried to support her, but she was um, very resistant. And um, you know we had to say, well, if if this is what you're going to do, you can't live here anymore. She was living in my mom's house, and uh, 
and you know if you if you want to get better then you can live here so she decided that um i mean i could go on and on but eventually she she moved in with um a guy who was a drug dealer and um and I completely isolated herself from us. And we would only hear from her occasionally if she needed something or wanted something. And uh, it was very, very, very frustrating. Yeah. So um, you've been going through the grieving process. Obviously that's different for everybody else. So um, kind of how, how have you, obviously joining NOMA was one of the things you've probably done to kind of kind of get back and help someone avoid this whole situation. But what, what all have you done to go through the whole grieving process with this? Well, I got to say, at first I slept and ate a lot. I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I mean, I think we've all dealt with grief, but the, the, the grief of losing someone that close to you is, is different. I mean, there's just no description for it whatsoever. And um, even though you're not terribly surprised, that doesn't make it any better. Um, and I, I was ill-equipped to deal with it. Uh, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with my mom and my sister, my other sister, and, you know, we tried to help each other through it. But what what really turned it around for me was not one more did a weekend long grief workshop um, through a grant that they got. And it was the first of its kind um, in Huntsville, the first time they'd ever done it. And we were fortunate enough to be able to sign up for that. And, uh, and it was out at the Vision Ministry. I don't know if you've ever been out there, but it's a beautiful place. Um, especially for something like that. And it was just a group of other people who had lost loved ones to uh, addiction. And we had great counselors there with us that worked through on Friday night, all day Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Uh, we could have stayed on campus if we wanted to. And honestly, we should have. Um, but to be able to be in a community with that support of people who have been through exactly what you've been through and then work through a, a, you know, a grief program um, that was really cut out for this particular experience, it changed my life. And um, through that, I met with uh, Patty Sixtus, the president of Not One More um, during a lunch one day. I mean, they provided us all our food and uh, I mean, it was, it was just fantastic. And uh, I, I said, I, I've got to get involved. There's some, there has to be something that I can do to, to give back to this organization that, that really made me realize, and what it made me do is learn how to live with grief. Grief is not something that goes away. They say, oh, it gets better with time. It doesn't get better. You just learn to live with it. It becomes part of who you are. Um, and the longer it goes on, the, the less it comes on sporadically. You kind of learn when to expect it. Um, although not always, <laughs> sometimes it just still hits you out of the blue, but, um, you, you, you know, we, we wrote letters to our loved one, apologizing for things we felt like we did wrong and, and forgiving them for things that we felt like they did wrong to us. And, um, and, and just worked through every, every bit of that process. And it, it was seriously life-changing. And um, with that, after that, I was able to get back to what my normal coping mechanism, which is exercise. <laughs> but in those first few months, I, I could barely get out of bed. I mean, it was, it was pretty rough. Yeah. Cause I mean, you have guilt cause you know, we've all been through where oh, I should have done this and I should have done that. And there's, there's no guarantee that any of that would have made a difference, but you just still kick yourself. And so to go through that and, and we've talked about it before we came on and started recording that there's a stigma about having a loved one who's an addict. Nobody likes to talk about it, but you know, the, the stats show out that nearly half of us have a loved one that's addicted. So we don't talk, we don't like to talk about it, but Hey, we can, if we help each other out, 
you know, that's that's how we defeat this thing, right? It doesn't need to leave, like you talked about earlier, isolation is where it grows. So um, having that group, it's amazing. So that's a huge difference. Like through the grieving process, it's not just, you know, all the drug stuff, but when something happens, what about the family? You know, so the, the gnome is taking care of them as well. So that's really cool. Very much so. And I think what people don't, that people need to really realize about addiction is that it is a disease. It's like cancer, it's like heart disease, you know, anything else. It's a disease of the brain. Um, you know, no one plans to become an addict. And, and there's some very interesting neuroscience out there as to why, why some people become addicted and some people don't. You know, you've met people that have tried all sorts of things and not become addicted. Right. And then other people try it one time and, and, and they're addicted for life. So um, if, if you ever get the chance to um, w go to uh, Tim Hilton's Addicted Brain Seminar, we, we've had, Noma's had him come in a few times and, and we might do a, a Zoom or a, a, you know, a virtual presentation of that. It is fascinating and it really gives you a good understanding of what addiction does to your brain and, and some compassion for the person that's suffering with it because they, they don't want to live that life, but yeah. your brain just doesn't give you a choice. It's not a character flaw. Yeah. That's what we need to understand. Right. Cause that's, it's a huge misunderstanding people are like, Oh, you think they want to live like that and be miserable. Yeah. And you know, it's, I mean, it's just, we get so frustrated. I think when you have a love, when you're just like, why don't you just fix yourself? You know, yeah. it's, not, it's not how it works. So, right. So it's frustrating <laughs> on both ends. So um, I think it's big, very important to understand. So um, with, you know, obviously we're in a pandemic. Um, how has that had a, an effect on addiction overall? Well, um, relapses and overdoses have increased a lot. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is a result of the isolation that's come from, from you know, social distancing and not being around people. Um, you know, support meetings have had to go virtual. A lot of people aren't comfortable with that. Right. Um, and, you know, the opposite of addiction is community. And you, you, people that are in recovery and just coming out of recovery really need that sense of community and people that that they feel like, you know, been through the same things as them and they can, they can talk to and they can understand. Um, and, and that makes it, um, you know, very difficult uh, for someone to, to stay in recovery, especially if they're new in recovery. And so um, we've seen a lot of people that um, have, have relapsed or have, um, have overdosed even more so than, than prior to the pandemic. And, and it, it's, it's very, very unfortunate. So uh, with, uh, with everything going on, how has NOMA been affected during COVID? What's your biggest challenge right now you guys are facing? I mean, I think it's the same thing, the lack of community. Okay, our, yeah. our, you know, we, we try to bring people together to, um, to be able to support each other. And, uh, and we, can't, we, we had to cancel our In Heroin Huntsville Walk that we usually have in August of every year, which is a great way to bring people together with the resources that they need, celebrate recovery, mourn those losses together. Um, and, and, you know, we bring people in for educational events, the grief workshop had to go virtual. So that was a little bit difficult, you know, cause it was only the second year we were supposed to have it. Um, and so that has been difficult, but we have, uh, we also have, um, a discovery room. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but it's this mm. trailer that we bring out to events and we take it to schools and different places. And, and as a parent, it's a great place to walk through because it kind of shows you, it's like a, a a teenager's room and here's all the ways they can they here's all the ways they can hide um their their paraphernalia or whatever uh, the case may be it's, it's really fascinating but it's a small space so clearly we can't we can't do that 
Um, so we're, we can't provide those resources. Our, we have a coaching uh, parent coach program where um, people are trained um, to be a coach to a parent or a loved one uh, um, uh, of someone in active addiction and, and talk to them and work through it. And that, you know, that had to go virtual as well. But we've, we've overcome it in a lot of ways by, by trying to reach out to people virtually. Um, and I think we've widened our audience in that way because we can invite people from you know, not just North Alabama and we've gotten a lot of um, partnerships from other organizations across the state that we've partnered with on some events and uh, just tried to, to still connect people uh, the best way that we can. Yeah, so that's, I know it's a tough job. So you, you see people they're still going to be over to the people that have been in the programs and stuff like that. So what keeps you inspired to keep on going when it's, you know, you just, you have these tragedies happen and it can beat you down. So what keeps you inspired to keep on going? The success stories, every, every success story, whether they're getting their one month chip or they're celebrating 18 years of recovery um, it's possible and everyone can do it, you know, and I, I see people that I know that are, you know, struggling and, and coming out of it on the other end, a better person, um, you know, it just, if, if we can help one person and one family not have to, to deal with that loss or deal with that constant stress of, of, you know, of loving someone in active addiction, then, then it's worth it. And, and that, and, and seeing people, um, come around to understanding it better and reducing that stigma. Yeah. I can see that. I mean, we, we tend to focus on the negative, right? When things come up, you're like, oh my gosh, we lost all these people. But think about all the people you've saved too. And like you said, if it, you could just save one family from what you guys have to go through, that's huge. So yeah. um, if you could tell a family member of an addicted person anything right now, what would you say to them right now, someone who's gone through this? Um, give yourself grace and give your loved one grace. I mean, we're, we're all struggling right now, um, you know, more than usual. And, and uh, you know, set your boundaries, but give yourself grace. Say the serenity prayer, you know, uh, it, say it every day, say it every minute, remind yourself what you can control and what you can't control and, and reach out and find support for yourself because addiction is a family disease and it's very easy to get caught up in it and let it rule your life. And, uh, and, and, you know that you're not gonna no one's gonna heal in that case that's, that's great advice just controlling what you can control you know that's really <laughs> all you can do i mean we worry about all these things that are out of control and that's what drives you crazy so that, that's mm -hmm. great advice um so let's let's talk about the scavenger hunt so uh so you guys had to cancel your walk and obviously we can't get gr large group, groups together so you guys came up with something different so what are you guys doing instead yeah i think this is going to be really cool um we are doing uh an end addiction huntsville hunt for hope and it's a virtual scavenger hunt and I, not completely virtual, but it's, it's app based. Um, and we're ha asking organizations to sponsor and um, people to form teams. I think it's $25 a team member. Uh, and, and then the sponsorships will go to pay for t-shirts and cash prizes teams. So the team that comes in first place can win $750, second place is $500 and third place is $250. And it's going to be a way for people to go out on their own um, instead of bringing everyone together, but still get connected to those resources. Um, and, uh, you know, because a lot of our, our resource organizations will be participating in some way and they you will certain things will have points based on sponsorship levels. So if 
McDonald's were a sponsor and they could say, okay, we'll come take a picture in front of our sign for 50 points or whatever the case may be. And, and the teams can kind of go out on their own during um, the times February 26th and 27th um, and record everything in the app uh, as, as they get around you know, to different places. Um, a lot of it's still in the works as to what those places will be and how that will work, but um, it's, it's, it's a really cool way to do it. And then we'll, we'll st still have a table set up at Big Spring Park like we do for the walk, and we'll be giving out Narcan, which is a huge part of our mission. Um, UAB Family Medicine administers that for us or administers that program for us, and uh, we will be reserving enough Narcan for everyone that's registered as a team member. And then if we have any left over, then we'll schedule another event to give that out because we don't want that sitting on the shelf. That needs to be in the hands of, of right. the people. Not gonna help anybody it. sitting on the shelf, right? So yeah, with yeah, a team, how big are these teams? How, how um, big are the teams? One to three, um, is that probably what Probably one to three people. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the, you could you could be a larger team if you wanted to, but you kind of, you're gonna be driving around, you know, to these different places. So, mm -hmm. you know, I guess you, depends on how many people fit in your car. Yeah, yeah I'm still um, figuring out what I'm doing at my station. I'm sure there's gonna be squats involved, but I'm gonna figure it out. So it should be an awesome, like that. it's gotta be, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so what, what does the app do? Do you just upload your picture on there? How do you use the app? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure about that. I haven't, um, we, we have somebody else in charge of that, but, your team will be registered within the app and then it will have everything loaded as to how many points certain things are and you can check in and there might be requirements to check in somewhere on social media um, and, and share that within the app and um, we'll learn more as we go. This is all very new for us, but if it goes well, we might do it again because it seems like it's gonna be a lot of fun. It sounds like fun. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. We'll figure it out and make it fun. But thank you so much for coming on. And and just like your mission at NOMA, if, if one person gets something out of this and they get help, then it's all been worth it. So thank you, thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's it's tough to come on here and talk about it, what you've gone through and all that, but hey, you're, you're helping people. So thank you so much for being on here. Thank you for having me and thanks for sponsoring. Oh, absolutely. We're looking forward to it. We'll get the word. I'll put all the stuff in show notes, all the links and all that stuff to be a sponsor. You know, you want to be a sponsor. It's going to be a cool event and take parts. So I'll, I'll link all that as well as Noma's website. You got to go check them out. It'll break your heart when you go on there and you see the pictures of the people on there, man, it's not, they're not what you think you look like. It's, it's, <laughs> it's people that live right next door to you. Mm -hmm. It's everybody from all shapes, sizes and backgrounds. Go on there and you'll see why this mission is so important. So thank you so much for what you guys are doing. Thank you, Joe. Wow, what a great episode. You share that with somebody. I'm going to share with you some awesome sponsors. McWilliams Marketing. They can help your business grow. Regardless of the size of the project, you're going to get a solution that is specifically created for you and your business. No cookie cutter, one size fits approach here. So Amy and her band of fearless marketers can help you with all that stuff that you think you can do, but you're not really that good at it. You don't have time for it. They can do that. They're the experts. It's what they do. Web design, online conversion, optimization, SEO, uh, graphic design, marketing, page management, all that stuff. Go let them do that. Don't handle that yourself. Go check them out at mcwilliamsmarketing.com. See what all they can do. They're amazing people. Teak Patnick with Patnick Realty. He really does it all in the real estate world. General real estate sales, acquisitions, property management, investments, all that good stuff. You're not just a transaction with Teak. He really wants to build a relationship for life with you. He has built his whole business on prayer, hard work ethic, honesty, and results. You can trust Patnick Realty with all your real estate needs. Hey, I trust my brother from another mother, Teak, and you should too. Give him a call, 256-694-0117, or email him at teak at patnickco.com. 
hey, these are awesome businesses. Go support them. They're out supporting positivity, and they will do you right. Have an awesome day.